Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hello there. Thanks ever so much for tuning into this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. I'm Toby Milden, and today I'm joined by an amazing guest. Her name is Jennifer Klausay-Tormos. Um, Jennifer um, does a really interesting job. Um, she's created some really fantastic technology that can help uh, increase the diversity of workforces and increase inclusivity within the workplace. Um, I'm really interesting, re- in, really interested in talking with technologists because I have a background in technology and I can see the role that technology can play in helping organizations scale up all that they do around diversity and inclusion. So Jennifer was introduced to me by one of my former um, guests and friends, um, Shrin Madapali, who is a serial uh, technology entrepreneur um, and has you know, uh, created a really great travel website that he sold to Airbnb. So he introduced me to Yennefer. Um, Yennefer and I then got chatting about the software that she's been developing, which I think is amazing. So we're going to be talking a bit more about that today. So Yennefer, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, thank you very much for, for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, Jennifer, um, can you just let us know a bit more about yourself and, I suppose, how you got or how you have arrived at your your current company and the, the project that you're doing? Yes. Uh, so, as yeah, as you said, my name is is Jennifer, and I am the CEO and co-founder of Develop Diverse. I originally come from Spain, uh, Valencia. And as you might know, gender equality is not our strength in, in Spain. Uh, myself, I grew up in a family where gender roles were very stereotypic and I was not supposed to challenge them. And I believe I kept challenging them since I can ever remember. So it was not an easy, an easy thing. Um, I believe this was also the drive of uh, that what drive me to uh, pursue a uh, higher education and as well to live and work uh, abroad. Um, so while living and working abroad, I have uh, uh, done a PhD, in particular in developing tech platforms, both uh, hardware and software. I worked over 10 years within biomedical applications. So I worked as a research scientist using my expertise to speed up the process of finding new uh, medicines. And um, four years ago, um, I decided to um, actually uh, stop, uh, like use my expertise in technology for uh, speeding up the pro- process of closing the gender gap and the diversity gap. The reason for that was because over yeah four years ago, I could see it was like the last drop that made me take this step was when I found out that my friends at that time having having children, and they start experiencing the same issues that my mom did when I was young. And they are highly educated. It's many years since uh, I was a child and I couldn't understand how this could still happen today. So this was a, a very, this touched me really strong. And it was, I believe, the drop that made me quit my job as a research scientist in the biomedicine, biomedical field and move into, in, uh, into founding Develop Diverse. Um, Briefly, develop diverse our vision so that you can have an understanding. So uh, we aim, we we aim to create equal opportunities by normalizing diversity through an inclusive communication using technology, so that we can close the gender gap and diversity gap in a decade rather than a, in a century. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you, you kind of explained what Develop Diverse is because um, obviously you, you specialize in inclusive language. Um, so what, what is inclusive language? Yes, that's a, that's a very good, uh, very good question. Um, we all are used to language as it, as it is to use it. And we do not can think sometimes that actually language is, uh, can affect us in different ways. But we can, I believe we can all agree that language is very powerful. And that language doesn't only help us express ideas, but actively help us to shape them, to determine how we understand the world. And as well, it affects how we how we shape our culture. So it's very important if we want to have a culture of inclusion that we ensure that we have an inclusive language. So what is inclusive language? So it's a la- it's language that do not carry any stereotypical connotation and therefore doesn't spread or reinforce any stereotypes unintentionally. It can be everything from individual words to grammatical structure, and not using inclusive language will prevent us from creating a workplace where diversity and inclusion can uh, be leveraged. Could you give us some examples about how language can prevent an organization from creating a diverse workplace? Because I think the way that you put it is hugely powerful. Um, it's how, use, I suppose, how language can help ideas spread. And so I suppose we want to we want to be spreading the right message, I suppose. But you know, how 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 can language prevent us creating a diverse workplace? So I, I can give you some examples so that it's very easy for everybody to understand. So for instance, in job descriptions, uh, phrases like competitive company or ambitious teams or groundbreaking ideas, phrases that we use very often, they are actually more attractive to men while discourage women. If we use nurturing company, uh, we use thoughtful ideas or cooperative teams, those phrases are more appealing to women. However, if we want to appeal to all diverse applicants, we need to use inclusive words. And inclusive words for this type of phrases would be aspiring company, could be motivated teams and innovative ideas. So if we want to appeal to all uh, diverse uh, applicants, starting from all genders, but as well beyond gender as well. And just briefly, because I think many people like to understand, okay, why are those words more appealing to men or more appealing to women? In this case, I gave examples within gender. Uh, and I will I can go on, on a few more examples in different diversity groups. But if we focus on, on those ones today or right now, traditionally, men and women are, have been praised uh, by having certain roles in society. Men have been associated with having agentic traits, meaning being more achievement oriented, being more individualistic, being the breadwinners, the ones leading the future, a bit of that. While women have been more associated with communal traits, meaning that they have been expected or they are expected to take care of their family, to ensure harmony and uh, be thinking more of the community rather than the individual. Mm. And, and those beliefs that women and uh, those beliefs that uh, that reinforce what traits men and women are expected to have, they actually affect how women and men perceive words and how they relate to them, and if they feel like encouraged or discouraged by them. I think that's really interesting because when I was working at the BBC uh, in our user experience and design team, we um, we actually rewrote our job descriptions and job adverts 
carefully looking at the language we were using. The thing is, we didn't have any technology to help us. So it was a bit, it was manual. Uh, it was a manual effort. But we noticed a difference in the the the, the gender balance that we were receiving um, from job applicants by switching some of the words around. So it's really fantastic. And you also mentioned that this isn't just about masculine or feminine traits you know that there are other forms of um language and impacting different types of diversity can you go a bit deeper into that yes so we we uh, there is language that will discourage people due to the age group they belong either they are younger or older it will also um, affect people depending on their ethnic group if they are they belong to a represented group or an underrepresented group it will also affect a person if they belong to being a neurodiverse or being neuro a, a neurotypical diverse group, and also be, will affect if people are physical able or fix, or physical disabled. So it goes beyond um, beyond uh, gender, and and it's lots of research that have shown that we do have those stereotypes, those beliefs towards these specific target uh, those groups, as much as people have them internalized and that's for that's why it affects how we write job descriptions because we picture a person before we even um interview somebody as well as when people read it they uh, picture themselves in uh, with certain traits due to those uh, stereotypes yeah and correct me if i'm wrong i mean presumably this process happens on a other than conscious level so somebody yeah. reading the job description isn't consciously thinking Oh, they've used that word instead of another word. Therefore, I don't see myself fitting in and therefore I shouldn't apply. It's they're reading it and their response to that job ad, i.e. whether they decide to click on the apply now button or not, is happening on on such an other than conscious level. Is that is that correct? Or am I barking <laughs> up the wrong tree? <laughs> no, it is, it is totally, totally correct. Because we all know that women are as ambitious as men are, as men, as much as men are as caring or helpful as women are. So both women and men have communal traits and agentic traits. So on the conscious level, they will not say, oh, I'm not ambitious or I'm not necessarily, or I'm not helpful. But on the unconscious level, unconscious level, they will not feel represented by those words and will feel discouraged. Um, But it's very important to say that it doesn't mean that if women feel discouraged by the word ambitious is that they are not ambitious or vice versa, that if men get discouraged by the word um, nurturing, doesn't mean that men are not nurturing. It says that these words are really for them and con- on the unconscious level have a negative connotation since they are counter stereotypic. Yeah. And one thing I learned when I've researched this in the past was that it's not so much about male and female, but it's about masculine and feminine. So you can be a man and have feminine um, traits and you can be a woman with masculine traits. So it's not, it's not so much your gender, but it's like the, whether it's masculine or feminine, is that correct? We, we like to go away from the terminology of feminine and masculine because yeah. research have shown, research have been switching. So this has been terminology within the psycholinguistic uh, uh, field. And initially this was the terminology used, but it slowly has been shifted into agentic and communal. So okay. agentic traits are what we could say we identify more with the masculine traits and communal traits is what we identify more with the feminine traits. Um, but, but we like to go away from 
labeling men and women because it, research have also shown that communal traits, not only women identify with them, but as well the older population yeah. and as well the non-representative ethnical groups or other minorities like neurodiverse and physically disabled. So communal yeah. traits are traits that are among more groups than just women, while agentic traits are also more among men. Also, they are representative of the young population. So young uh, men, you could say, they reflect themselves more through agentic traits and as well the represented ethnical groups and, yeah. the, um, and as well the uh, neurotypical people and the physical able people. Those identify more with agentic traits and while the others identify more with the uh, communal traits. So it goes beyond gender as well, this terminology. Yeah. Why they are not just for women and men, uh, they actually are associated with other groups as well. Yeah, I think agentic and communal are much better ways of putting it, frankly. And I'm, gl I'm glad you, you said that perhaps people with disabilities uh, are more communal, let's say, because that's something that I personally um, can relate to, because I think that's kind of where I end up on the on the spectrum but well, I think language is hugely powerful because I read a book about unconscious bias and they did a, a really simple experiment where they took a, a picture the researchers took a picture of a bridge to Germany and Spain and I, I might get this the wrong way around but I think Germans um, you know a bridge in Germany is a is a masculine term so people describe the bridge as strong and sturdy and robust but then when they took the picture to Spain, they described it as elegant and, you know, and uh, pretty and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's amazing how language can really influence the way that we, we perceive something. Indeed, indeed. And as you mentioned, also languages, uh, not only we are not only about talking traits, about traits like how adjective or verbs will affect us. But as you said, certain language, they also have this uh, gender are gendered words like they have an o at the end of the word in spanish for instance o relates to being a male word while it ends as a it's a woman's uh, it's more it's a feminine word uh, like yeah a bridge or other or chair or table and this changes from not every language has this like english doesn't have it but german and spanish um have it and as well french uh, among other languages so this also gives an extra layer of unconscious uh, effect uh, in every individual as well. Absolutely. So how do you think that technology can help us accelerate what we need to do in terms of creating more diverse workplaces and, and more inclusive workplace cultures? Yes. When, if, if we just talk about technology in general, uh, myself as working in that field for now 14 years, um, the reason why technology is so relevant to be used in the workplace is because it can give us objective data so that we do not have to rely on subjective opinions, subjective experiences. And this way, it helps us to be to have processes that are accurate, pre precise, and therefore more effective. That's a number, a number one and very important why technology is relevant. And another one why is uh, as well very important is because it helps us speed up the processes. It can, it can help make those time-consuming processes more scalable, faster, and therefore more efficient. And one thing which you mentioned earlier that you did in your prop in, in, in the previous in that company that you used um, you did manually try to make 
um, language inclusive, and and you actually got already some some deep, some some um, some good change on on the on the ratio of women and men in your application, which was fantastic. But we know that that's a very laborious process. That's a very time-consuming process. Mm-hmm. Plus, on top of it, we are people, so we are influenced by our objective uh, subjective opinions. So having an individual not only spent many hours trying to make it inclusive. Uh, while trying to go away from their uh, subjective opinions and experiences makes it very difficult to the individual make themselves language inclusive while, yeah, because we are all affected by our own biases. So that's why it was very important for me to use technology to help the individual to make their text inclusive and therefore communicate inclusively within their organization, but as well beyond the organization. And yeah, and that's how the company uh, started. Uh, and so trying to use technology to address the topic of, uh, of diversity. Yeah, so you developed developed Diverse. Can you just let us know a bit more about so what the software does and, and how it works? Indeed. Um, so our software, I would like I like to highlight that is primary primarily based on scientific research. My strong scientific research background myself makes it very relevant for me that our what our software does is uh, is accurate and 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 true. But on top of the scientific base, we use cutting edge technology. We are talking about natural language processing, machine learning, and this helps the user not only make their text inclusive, but at the same time, and learn their bias, their unconscious bias uh, while, while typing. So if, if I tell you how it works, as I understand, so it's um, real time while we type, the software detects the phrases that have a stereotypic connotation. And as simple as uh, by hovering on those words, the user gets inclusive alternatives. Yeah. So for, but the important is that not only that for each word, the software uh, proposes an inclusive alternative or multiple ones, but also gives an explanation of why the word is non-inclusive, why it has a stereotypic connotation. Because this way, the writer can not only identify the words that they need to replace, but can also unlearn their own biases while typing, which happens daily so often. So it's a very efficient way to get trained um, to uh, remove or unlearn your biases because we know if we have been learning our biases since we are born, it's going to take time unless we really work out uh, every day, every every uh, minute if possible um, in order to change such a uh, way of thinking. So how how are people applying your software? So um, are they using it in when they create job adverts? Are they doing it when they're just writing emails to their team? Like what I mean, how are people applying applying the technology? Today is being applied mainly for external communication, which this means job descriptions, website content, social media posts. But it can also be used for internal communication. Uh, but this this um, the, let's say the the um, integration for that is coming within a few within a few bam- months. Um, so today, our our customers are mainly using it for, as I mentioned, external communication. So job descriptions where they can easily quantify the numbers uh, changed in terms of demographics that they get when using our software. But also they ensure that their employer branding also is aligned and consistent with their job descriptions because we know and they know that any applicant. Uh, in addition to apply before applying, we'll also look in their employer branding, in their material that they publish, because we know this defines, unfortunately, it does uh, 
defines, gives an image on the company. And it's very important that it's also inclusive. So they use it um, on that, those uh, type of text today. Absolutely. And I read an article recently about how, how important it is for millennials to want to work for inclusive employers. I think the statistic was um, well over 60%. Um, so I mean, it just goes to show, you know, how how much research prospective employees are doing into a company um, before deciding to work for them or not. Indeed, indeed. And it's, it's, and more and more, as you mentioned, the millennials, which are our, the new generations, they are caring more about them, the, the culture of an organization rather than the, the money they get. So it's very, yeah. it's getting a business crucial for organizations, business critical to develop a culture of inclusion, a culture where everybody can drive and be themselves rather than fit into the box that we always were expected by how business has been run until now. Yeah. So um, how, I suppose, what's, what are some of the results that you've seen uh, your clients getting by, by implementing your software? We have, uh, I have actually many, many numbers. It's, it's really good. Our customers, they'd really like to to compare and say, okay, that's actually this action makes a difference because they have been always doing uh, other type of approaches that didn't help them that much. So they are really keen on measuring. So we work with large organizations within different industries. They are both European, but as well worldwide. And one of our uh, customers, which is well known, is Amazon. We work with Amazon Europe. They have used our software uh, and they are still using our software. But when they run a very thorough experiment where they compare, like one on one, they compare the, their job descriptions run through our software versus job descriptions that were just how they used to write them. They observe that they got four times more qualified women applicants um, in their in their uh, yeah talent pool wow. not only more they got three times more men three times more women um, of ethnical groups different diversity uh, ethnical uh, groups and um, gender they don't measure the ethnicity itself that's why they couldn't give us the numbers but this translated not only on attracting more but also more qualified overall so four times more qualified women and uh, yeah this was really, uh, we were very proud of that so they indeed are very excited yeah. That's staggering. I mean, what what are some of the other impacts that you're seeing? Uh, other uh, industries, with for instance, we have another uh, other customers within the engineering construction sector. Uh, one of them is Vestas. They are uh, they are manufacturing wind turbines. They are locally in Europe, but uh, but they are working globally. They have got within the first six months of using Develop Diverse, this translated into increase of fifteen percent of hired women within leadership positions. So they went down and measured all the numbers down the pipeline and it translated in 15% more women within leadership, which was uh, an extracting numbers for them. Uh, and yeah, yeah. so it's, it became also very, very relevant for them to keep using inclusive language because of that. I mean, it, it's just so striking how we modify the language and we're, and we're seeing these results. It's, it, you know, it happens... Yeah on this almost on the spot like it's so yeah. difficult to believe how just changing a few words in your job descriptions or employer branding will have such an effect but it does because it does affect us on the unconscious level so deeply yeah and other companies that we work with are within finance as well like the banking sector 
and they got 81% more women applicants using our software also within a, a, a few weeks. So they, they, yeah. they, when they do these thorough experiments where they compare one-on-one, because every many companies say, we want to compare one-on-one. Um, and, and they say, yeah, of course, let's go. And, and that's yeah. what they, they see they can get those numbers so, so uh, directly. Um, yeah, so we are very proud of that. The, I would like to highlight that the reason why I focus mainly on, on gender numbers is because we we work with the European based companies where due to GDPR compliance or GDPR policies they cannot uh, measure more be- than beyond gender. We know yeah. they they get more numbers in other groups, but they are not allowed to measure it, and therefore we cannot get those numbers um, per se directly. Yeah, it's just it, it's just amazing how technology can help us achieve those gains because when I as I mentioned, when I was at the BBC, it was a, a manual effort. Yeah. You know, if only we had a piece of software that would help us, um, it would have made the whole process a lot more objective. I mean, we we noticed the difference, but you know, having software to help us objectively measure the impact um, would have been so much better. And it just goes to show that the the role of technology um, within diversity and inclusion can help us scale up. What we're trying to what we're trying to achieve, um, increasing more in 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 creating more inclusive workplaces. Um, so this is the Inclusive Growth Show, and I'm interested in in hearing about what you think inclusive growth is all about. Yes, so inclusive growth to me means um, within the context we are talking today, it means when an organization grows, uh, when an organization becomes more profitable as a result of leveraging diversity and inclusion. Because this means that such a company will have teams that increase performance, increase productivity, because they are diverse and because they have a focus leveraging the uniqueness of their employees, of their team members, everything from personality, skills, experiences, background, and and all that because they ensure that they have a culture of belonging, of respect and inclusion. Otherwise, it's very difficult to get the individual outperform or develop themselves. Brilliant. Thanks, Jennifer. So before we go, if the person listening to our interview is interested in learning more about Develop Diverse or they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing that? So there are two simple ways. Uh, The first one is they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, this is a way to directly um, organize a meeting or just to keep in touch. It's always good to keep on, to expand my network with like-minded people. So please, I encourage you all to to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just look for Jennifer Clausel, Clausey Tormos. And the other way is they can go to our website, developdiverse.com, and they can book a meeting directly over there so that we can uh, showcase uh, how the software works and answer any questions they might have. So both options work very well brilliant well thanks Jennifer I've really enjoyed our conversation today um I just I mean I'm a bit of a geek at heart so I love talking about tech solutions um and how that can help us accelerate the diversity and inclusion agenda so thank you ever so much for for joining me um it's lovely to lovely to chat with you um and thank you for tuning into this episode of the inclusive growth show I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Yennefer. Uh, The next episode of the show will be coming up very shortly. So uh, I hope to see you on the next episode. Uh, If you've got any friends or colleagues that are interested in the topic that we've talked about today, feel free to share this episode 
with them, uh, the more the merrier. So until then, uh, take care and uh, stay safe. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk.